Good to see everybody. Uh, let me go ahead and invite you, if you have a Bible with you, to open up with me to the book of Titus. If you don't have a Bible, there's a black hardback underneath the seat around you that you're more than happy to grab and open up. If you do have a Bible, Titus is a book in there, I promise you. Um, <clears throat> but this is a uh, varsity level Sunday. We'll see if you can get there the fastest. Uh, it's on page 998 in those black hardbacks. That's how I get there. So no shame at all. We'll be in Titus this morning. Um, and we're going to spend this week and next week talking about some of the changes that are coming our way here at the church as we gear up for 2017 and for a more efficient and effective and beautiful ministry year. And so this morning, um, I'm going to be uh, talking a little bit about why we're going into the new year thinking orange. Um, orange is our strategy as we come into 2017. And it comes from the book of Titus. It comes from a theme that runs throughout the scriptures. And it comes from one of our main goals here at the church. So let me ask you this. Let's get a little interactive. Raise your hand if you grew up going to church. A a lot of us, maybe 80%, okay? Um, For those of us who didn't, you probably still have your first memory of church, you know, whether it was that group of kids who were nice or rude or whatever, or, um, you know, that scene in the movie, that kind of pop culture reference that you got. Um, For those of you who were in church, let me ask you this. Um, Just think about it. Did Did the ministries, the programs, and the people of the church that you were involved in as you grew up prepare you to follow Jesus faithfully in every new phase of your life. So when you got to middle school, in hindsight, do you feel like you were prepared to follow Jesus as a middle schooler in a crazy, weird public middle school? When you got to high school, do you feel like the church had prepared you? You you felt ready, equipped to follow Jesus with all the different temptations and distractions that there are in high school. When you got to college, did you feel like you were ready? You had the tools, you had been trained. Right now, do you feel like you've been trained? You've had the tools, people have invested in you. You see, this is one of the highest callings of what it means to be a church community, is to train others, to mentor others, to invest in others, to help everyone be equipped to follow Jesus at whatever stage of life they're in, from elementary school to adulthood. And so we're going to think orange as we go forward. Orange is a strategy that comes out of thinking about two different colors in a kind of metaphorical way. So you have um, the color red, which represents the love and influence of family and friends. And your family and friends influence you a lot, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and then yellow would be the light of the church and the ministries of the church, your experience at the church. And the idea behind orange is if you combine the two, you get red and yellow, make orange. I'm told I'm not great with colors. Primary, Mesa, or Adriana. Yeah, is that right? Okay. On the color wheel, goes into orange. And the idea behind it is that two influences combined create a greater influence. What I've learned is this from pastoring and from teaching. Um, I've got 20 minutes to preach every Sunday. <clears throat> just kidding. I've got like 50 minutes every Sunday. Um, t- 
teaching, right? You have maybe an hour a day with a kid. And in that time, you can make a big difference. But not as big of a difference as a parent or a neighbor or a family member. And as we approach ministry from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top, the goal going forward is to see how we can best combine these influences how what we do as a church, at the church, on Sundays, in our different programs and events, um, how that can best equip all of us uh, to live faithfully as followers of Jesus. And then how we can equip families and parents to also influence and pour into their kids. Um, this is one of the core values of our church. We call it a missional mandate. It's one of the reasons we get up in the morning. This is one of the reasons we exist at a church. There's lots of churches in the area. We're not a particularly big one. If I didn't think there was something unique here, right, I probably would just go to one that was already operating. There's lots of good churches in the area. But as long as I've been at the church, since I walked in the doors in 2006, there have always been a couple things to be true. Kids were in leadership roles. And kids were there without their parents. And it's ebbed and flowed for a while. We had like 20 high schoolers who would come and, and we actually like segregated them, not on purpose, but the high schoolers would sit over here and the adults would sit over here. It was just kind of weird. Um, <clears throat> we, 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 we've um, been able to see very unique fruit with the youth in our area. Um, through the pouring into them and into the investing into them. And, and what's been cool is, is that's kind of how things started back when I got here in, in 2006. And, and then some of y'all started having babies. And man, it was like yesterday that we were up here dedicating them. And then with the help of some volunteers, we started a children's program because we're like, they gotta, they gotta be taught too. And and, and my sermons are really boring for the kids. And they grow, and they grow, and they grow. And then Asher gets baptized. And if you remember from last year, Jonah gets baptized. Liberty gets baptized. And I think there's no higher calling for a church than to invest in those younger than us and teach them, equip them how to best follow Jesus in whatever phase they are. And to do that, not only do we have to do a good job here at the church and be faithful, but we've also got to make sure that parents and family and neighbors have the resources and are equipped and are encouraged and are prayed over and supported so that they can combine influences with us. And we can raise up the next generation to be a robust, vibrant light for Jesus in the world. So, so read with me in Titus uh, chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 um, most people's favorite book of the Bible. Uh, we'll look at the first eight verses here in the book of Titus. It reads like this. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, and in sound and faith and in love and in steadfastness. And all of the men here are like, check, 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 check. That's a pretty high, high bar, right? Women, you're not, you don't get off, okay? Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. Look, I didn't write this. Um, 
They're to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. I don't know if you ever met a, a, a male under the age of 23, but they can all use a little self-control. He says, urge them to be self-controlled. And then show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And your teaching show integrity and dignity and sound speech um, that, that even a, an opponent can't condemn you, can't put you to shame, having nothing evil to say about you. So here we get kind of a description of what a mature, robust Christian is with some of these adjectives, right? A, a, a mature Christian man um, is it's described as sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound, solid when it comes to their faith, their trust in God's providence, in their love for their family and their friends and their neighbors and their enemies, in their steadfastness and their ability to hold the course despite the ups and downs of lives. The women, likewise, are modeling Christ's behavior. They're loving and pouring into their husbands and children. They're being kind. They're, they're teaching what is good. They are also self-controlled. They are helping the word of God be spread, respected, appreciated. But then watch what happens. Do you see the, do you see the, the, the real thrust of this passage here? It's for the older men and for the older women to pass it on. When I, one of my favorite scholars says this, and I, I've always liked this phrase, the church is always one generation away from being gone, extinct. If we don't do a good job teaching young kids to love Jesus and follow him, in 150 years, theoretically, there could be no Christians. Now, because I believe in God's providence, I think we all do, right? I, I trust that God will always move and always work. Um, but that doesn't absolve us of our responsibility, right? The, the, the younger generation, those younger than you, are only going to be as vibrant and strong in their faith as much as we enable them, enrich them, invest in them. The future is in, in our hands. In a sense, God has entrusted us with quite a bit. You see three verbs here. He says teach, train, train the women, urge the young men, teach, train, and then show. You got, you got people younger than you. You got to teach them. He says sound doctrine, thoughts, ideas, what it is we believe about God about what he's done in the world, about what he's doing in the world, about how we're involved in that process, how we're supposed to live out that calling. And he says, train them. This is a big step because if you teach without the training, you usually get really unproductive results. So I taught at a Christian high school, and, and the, the, the frustration with this is you can't train all of your students. I can teach them all about the Bible, there's really only a handful I can really train on how to live it out, right? There's just not enough time in the day. But parents can come in, pastors can come in, family members can come in, teach, train, show them how it works, walk through it with them. You know, I've, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it probably until I die. The best way to learn how to pray 
by watching somebody pray who's better at it than you. People have asked me, you know, how did you learn to read the Bible? Because I sat with an older man when I was a senior in high school every morning in the library, and we read the Bible together. And to this day, when I open up the scriptures, the questions I ask about the sentences I read are the questions he asked in front of me when he was reading. He trained me. He showed me. He did it in front of me. He was a witness to me. And here's my, here's my, my argument this morning. The, the vocation of training and equipping those younger than us is a vocation that's true of every single Christian. Not just pastors, not just parents, not just youth pastors or children's pastors. Every single one of us is responsible for investing in the future church. Every single one of us. Now, I think it starts with parents, right? Parents, I think, maybe have the biggest job in this process. They spend the most time with their children. Deuteronomy, um, right, it says at all times during the day, you need to be talking about God's wisdom and instructions. You need to be modeling how it is to, to walk after God, to be a child of God. Families come along and support. Churches come along and equip and support. Orange is a curriculum we're starting with our children in 2017. And one of the unique benefits of Orange is its emphasis on including parents in what's happening. So the idea behind it is, look, we've got 40 hours a week with children. And while we can make a big difference, we can make such a bigger difference if we can bring the parents of those kids and their family members alongside us and into the ministry with us. So if you've got kiddos or you're working in the children's ministry, what you'll see is every week there's going to be stuff going home to parents and stuff online available to parents. Um, they've actually, so it's, it's, I mean, it's a cool curriculum. Some of us went to a conference and, and got to test it out a little bit. A lot of my pastor friends have been using it for a couple of years. Um, They've got a, a, a rhythm down based on that Deuteronomy passage. When you stand up, when you go to sleep, when you walk, at all times be doing it. So for the lesson your child learns today, Orange will give you a conversation to have with them about it at bath time, at bedtime, at the dinner table, in the morning before they go to school. They'll let you know the questions we're asking your kids. So you can ask those questions and, and reinforce them. They'll let you know the, the, the memory verse that we're, we're, we're studying for a month at a time. So you can learn it with them, and then you can help them. They'll let you know the, the one Christian virtue that we're focusing on for an entire month at a time. This month, January, is knowledge. And you can explore that with your children. This, I think, will be so powerful for our kiddos, for our church, for our community, for the world. I don't think you'll ever truly know how big of a difference it makes when you pour into somebody younger than you, whether it's your kid or somebody else's kid. I don't think you'll ever know how, 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 how life-changing, how, how influential, you know, butterfly effect, how the world itself can be changed. Our church is a unique place. I like it for lots of reasons. It's got a really good-looking pastor. Um, <clears throat> one of the reasons 
I like it is, is, is because we've been blessed with a congregation that's united, supportive, that wants to teach sound doctrine, that wants to train, that wants to show. So, so I was at Jonah's house uh, getting him ready for the baptism. He's, he's being baptized, eight years old, right? He was eight. And I'm talking to Jonah, and I'm really just kind of going through a script in my mind. Look, all right, kid, we're going to throw you in the water, depending on how sunny you are that day. We might hold you down a little bit longer. Before we do that, though, I'm going to say, what's your confession? And you're going to say, I believe that Jesus is Lord. And then it's in the water, and good on you. And Jonah goes, you think I could, like, say something else that I want to say? Not usually a good thing from an eight-year-old. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see where this goes. I was like, well, yeah, sure. What would you like to say, Jonah? He said, can I say, I love the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Blown away. Okay, Trinitarian, I like that. I like where you're going with that, Jonah. Eight years old, articulating his faith with the knowledge, the trust, the joy that his God is triune. There's a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you, I taught high schoolers five years, teach at a university now. Um, most of them grow up in church. When I talk about the Trinity to them, it's the first time they've heard about it. Or the first time someone's had a discussion with them about it. I, mean, I can't tell you how cool that is. And I'm not sure I can impress on you how this is not just a byproduct of being a church. You don't just start worship services and have kids be trained up to follow Christ and, and really start absorbing foundational, transformational truths. Because I'm, I'm on an area board and I work with churches that have no kids. And I have pastor friends who, who, who wish they could get their kids to you know, care about the Trinity. This is a unique thing because of your devotion, because of your faithfulness to these scriptures. And so you want to keep that going forward in 2017. And, and we think we can do it even better. And we think we can, we can even add momentum to this ball that's rolling and continue to be this really special, unique, deep church. And unfortunately, a world that's often too shallow. I know for me, I was not equipped when I got to middle school to follow Jesus. There's no blame to place. I'm not going to blame my parents or the church that I went to or or anything like that. But no, I got to middle school, and and there are just a lot of other things I did that I shouldn't have been doing. And I really didn't know if I wanted to how I could have been a Christian. And when I got to high school, kind of the same thing. Until I started being mentored as a, a, a senior in high school, and I, I wonder, here's the, the cool experiment I've got. I mean, so I became pastor when I was 20 years old. I'm 36 now. Um, no, I'm 28. Um, at the time, we didn't have the babies. We had the kids. We didn't have the babies. We got the babies now. Um, when I taught high school, I taught freshmen, and there was always that, that unique sense of like, I wonder what a senior will look like because they had me as a freshman teacher. Like, what's the end product here if I'm in the formula. Could be bad. <laughs> Chris and I talk all the time. What would an 18-year-old look like 
who grew up at FC Cubed, at First Colony Christian Church. So far, I'm not that scared. But I want to invite you to press on with me even harder in 2017. And it goes for all of us. Now, in this room right now, we've got lots of parents. We've got lots of people who volunteer in our children's ministry or who have in the past, who have served countless hours. And there's all types of ways you can do this, whether they're serving in the children's ministry. But, but what about this? What about praying for our kids? What about learning some of their names and praying for them? You don't even have to do that, really. Um, the blonde girl, the short kid, the tall kid. Or, or, man, please, what about praying for our volunteers? Just about everyone in this room here has volunteered at the church at some point. It would be nice to have lots of full-time staff members that could do these things. By the way, we've got lots of openings for unpaid full-time children's workers, uh, if you're interesting. <laughs> lots of openings. Um, but it can be hard. It, it can take a lot of energy out of you. You need a break sometimes. You know what would be special? It's if we had people commit to praying for those volunteers. I think God would, would respond to that. I think we'd see even more beautiful things happening. There's stuff you can do beyond that. Pray for the parents. Support the parents. Look around for anybody that you can invest in, that you can pour into. The question was posed to me, if you had an hour with a, a child from your church to invest in them spiritually, what would you do? You had one hour. And then just thinking of through and talking with some friends, you know, my final answer was I'd go eat. I like to eat. <clears throat> I feel like it's Jesus in the gospel seems to think this is one of the best ways to, to build a relationship with people because most of his ministry over, over table fellowship. But eat and just start a conversation. Uh, you know, I've been uniquely blessed to be able to see the fruit of spending time with kids. Um, and, and I don't take that for granted. Um, I've, 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 I've fallen in love and, and brought into my family and been adopted into other families with some high schoolers and some college kids and seen some of them, you know, come to Christianity, start to follow Christ for the first time in their lives. And I can tell you that the way that it happened for me was not like a, what you would call evangelism. I, I never once asked them to pray with me. I never once gave them a track, led them down the Romans road. You know what I did? I listened to them. I made fun of them a lot. <laughs> I invited them into my life. <clears throat> I was honest with them. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than being honest with a kid. Because you're messed up. And those kids need to know that you're messed up. They'll respect you for it. Those kids need to hear you apologize to them. Say, I didn't do that right. But I want to do it better. And then you just live. You just pray. You just love. You just move forward following Christ. You show and more times than not, that person goes, I want that love. I want that support. I want that, that beauty, that life that that person has seemed to, to find, even if they don't have it perfectly. 
I would encourage you, because I think every one of us should be investing in people younger than us. The, the question I would ask is, um, who right now are you pouring into that's, that's younger than you? At every stage in your life, there's going to be someone younger than you. <clears throat> it's biology, it's confusing, but there's always going to be people one, two, three, four, five steps behind you who you can take out to dinner, who you can invite into your family, who you can just anonymously pray for. Who are you showing up for? I'm guessing most of us at some point in this room had someone show up for us. I did in high school. His name was Tony. Taught me how to read the Bible and pray and be a Christian. Who showed up for you? And then who are you showing up for? I don't think this is a a specialized vocation. I think this is the task of the church. At every step, at every level, to look around and say, how can I equip? At the same time, you should probably be being poured into. That's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, right? If you can't answer the question, who's pouring into you spiritually? I think you're missing out on some blessings. I know we've certainly got some elders here at the church that would love to pour into your life and pray for you. We had a couple new ones starting here in 2017. Um, Jason Watson is, is starting. He's serving as elder this Sunday. Um, you know, I'm not always available. I always don't don't always have you know the best advice or experience in certain areas. Um, and some of you just don't like me very much. Jason, they'll answer your phone call, return your email, pray for you. If if he can't, he'll find someone. Would you be bold enough to ask somebody, hey, could you pour into me? Could you invest in me? Hey, I think you pray better than me. Can I just pray with you sometimes? I just want to watch. I just want to be there. Powerful, powerful, powerful things would happen. This is the, the, the role of a mature, robust Christian, is to live out our faith and then to help others live into our faith. And so this morning, I want to encourage us as we go forward in 2017. We'll have some more baptisms coming up soon. I think we'll see some more kids um, being united with Christ and death and resurrection in the water in front of us in celebration. Some of us are going to be going back to school, going back to your college campus. Some of us will be going back to their middle schools or high schools. You know, it's cool seeing middle schoolers pour into middle schoolers or a high schooler pouring into a younger high schooler or a middle schooler. Let me invite you to adopt that mindset. And let me plead with you to never let our church lose that. That's why we call it a mandate, missional mandate. That's just part of who we are. So it's a unique thing to us. We, we never want to lose that out of the, the fabric of our very like DNA here at the church. So think orange. How can you come alongside somebody in their spiritual development and impact greater influence? And for those of you who, who maybe are a little spiritually dry, which happens, 
maybe now's the time to, to, to find a spiritual coach or to join a community group. You know, we, we started community groups last year, and we've got, we've got some great ones going. Some places where you can find love and prayer and people who just listen to you, who will accept you, who will, who will show you that God loves you through their love. Older guys, be sober-minded, be dignified, be self-controlled. Younger, younger guys, try to be self-controlled. Women, teach what's good. Train, urge. Who are you pouring into and who's pouring into you? And if you can't answer those two questions, here's my, here's my, my plea. Um, try to fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Find someone to pour into and find someone to pour into you. You will not regret it. Can I get an amen? All right, let's pray.